how did we get our Bible? We, we all know what it looks like. Most of us have read it, or at least portions of it, sometimes many times. We think we know what it is. Yet, the more you ask about who told you, and then who told you, and then who told you, the more the story changes. Now, in this series, which is going to take quite a while, by the way, this is a Monday morning series that's going to go more than four and five and six uh, episodes. So hang in there. Before we get started, let me tell you what we're not going to do. Very often, books about the Bible come into two different forms. One will stress that it is completely perfect, it came to us completely perfect, and we'll talk about some of the ways in which it came to us. The other books will say it is completely the, the work of a jumble of individuals over time, there is no God aspect to it, and that's called deconstructing, and it can deconstruct your faith. By the way, just a little warning, there are a lot of other things called deconstructing, so you always have to ask, deconstructing what in any discussion? And here, I'm saying that the, the two books mainly that you'll find, one will say, you know, this will increase your faith, and the other, this will bring it crashing down. There will be some deconstruction in what we're doing in this series. There will be some troubling times, but I'm not deconstructing to leave it deconstructed, but rather to build something up which is more akin to reality and yet is still full of wonder and the visitation of God upon us. So, as a believer in Jesus the Christ and as a believer in the Holy Spirit and in God the Father, and as a believer that uh, the gospel is true, does that mean I have to believe everything I've been told about the Bible? For example, all through my growing up years, and even in my 20s and 30s, I was still preaching this because all the books I had available to me agreed with the story. The story was something such like this, that the Spirit of God would come down upon an individual, and the words they wrote were exactly the words of God. An illustration, a couple. One um, is that um, when Balaam was riding on his donkey, and we have to say donkey now instead of the real word because it upsets people. And I don't like saying donkey because anybody from uh, Scottish or Irish heritage sounds a bit odd. Uh, anyway, that when the angel blocked the way and the donkey therefore could not proceed, Balaam beats the donkey, the donkey then talks to Balaam. It's a, it's a great story. It's actually incredibly funny if you, if you read it. But um, the story was told to me this way. Now, God did not just tell the donkey to put it into its own words. God gave the donkey every single word. That's the way we were told. Every single word. That was given directly. All they were were stenographers. Obadiah was a stenographer. Moses, a stenographer, and so on. All Paul did is write exactly the words he was given. Then we were also told that while all of our manuscripts have issues, that the original manuscripts, which are called autographs by scholars, those were without any fault. That one bothered me early because we're saying we have 
faith that something which has never been seen, a book, is out there somewhere, or was, and it was perfect, even though all of the copies we have of it are imperfect. That was a problem. And then I started to read the Bible uh, very, very carefully. Nothing that I'm about to give you in any of these Mondays is original as in nobody in the world has ever thought of it until I came upon it. Completely, no, no. I found that there, were, there was a great deal of literature out there about our Bible and how it came to be. This first Monday, I'm gonna make it very simple by just saying, are you aware that there are dozens of books mentioned in the Bible as source material for the Bible? But we don't have those books. I'm okay with that, by the way. Ancient books disappear. That's because time, the, 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 uh, what they were written on goes away. People don't treasure it anymore. There are many reasons for them to disappear. My point is the Bible mentions that it got its material, or at least some of its material. I wouldn't even guess at a percentage. I would assume it's rather low, but I couldn't guess. But that the Bible got its material from books, other books. In other words, not stenography, but study, thought, prayer, and writing. For example, I'm gonna do these really quickly, but you can actually go to anywhere from Wikipedia just to a Google or a Bing search or whatever you use and say books referenced in the Bible that we don't have. And you're gonna come up with a considerable list of them. The numbers of books vary because of the different ways people have of splitting and organizing the books. You'll see as I go, and I'll be doing this quickly, but this is why God created the pause button. You can go back and you can write all these down or get your own list. And the own list is so easy to find. In Exodus 24, verse seven, it says, and he took the book of the covenant, he read it in the audience of all the people. Uh, and this book of the covenant is generally thought to be Exodus 20 through 23, but we don't know for sure what the book of the covenant was. And people will say, well, well that's, that's the Torah. This is Exodus 24. The Torah has five books. Three of them follow this. How in Exodus would he be reading the Torah to them well before the time that the Torah covers? And, and also, could he have read the entire law to them in that one little sermon time? It doesn't really work. But there are other books that are even more obvious, like Numbers 21, 14, uh, the book of the wars of the Lord. Now there's a book that might be fun to find. The book, whatever it says, wherefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, what he did here. And that's, um, that's interesting. Now one, which is very, very well known. And in fact, you can actually get it. Uh, you can go online and get different versions it's, uh, it's found fairly early, and that's the book of Jasher, J-A-S-H-E-R, Jasher. That book is available online. Um, and again, we find portions, and therefore you're going to find variations, but it's not hidden by any stretch. It's mentioned in Judges 10, 13 as having more to comment upon about the battle where the sun stood still. It's also mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 1, 
and verse 18, where Samuel was teaching the children of Judah the use of the bow, how to fight with a bow and arrow, and said that that episode is found in the book of Jasher. Well, Jasher's not in the Bible, and it was a long time before we found the book, but there are many books we've not found. In um, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 25, there is a book called The Manner of the Kingdom, or in some versions, The Statutes, or The Rules of the Law. Some versions actually, even now, because they, we, we don't have the book, they just kind of smooth it over and say, he just told them how to be a kingdom. But in every one of our older manuscripts, it's obvious he's referring there to a book that tells them how to be a kingdom. And we don't have that. Or in First um, Chronicles 29 and verse 9, the book of Samuel the seer. Also mentions the book of Nathan the prophet, and also the book of Gad the seer. And you notice that these history books have a lot of original material that they're citing. Now, we don't have those books. I'm not worried about that. My point is this. They were not sitting in a room or under an olive tree, receiving a word, write the word, receiving a word, write the word. They were using source material, prayer, the community knowledge and story. And yes, inspiration. We're going to have to figure out what inspiration means because it doesn't mean what I was told it meant which is a word for word for word. It, it, it can't. Go, going ahead, and First Chronicles 29, 29, also um, the book of, you know, we talked about the three books there. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles 9, 29, has the Acts of Solomon. Uh, and that's written also in the prophecy of Ahijah. It's also in the book, The Visions of Edo the Seer. We don't have those. They're source material. Um, the Acts of Solomon is also mentioned in 1 Kings 11, 41. 2 uh, Chronicles eleven fifteen, The book of Shemaiah the prophet. And that, uh, that would be good to have that one because it is said to have the Acts of Rehoboam. The Rehoboam was the king that caused the split and between northern and southern kingdoms. And it would be fascinating to, uh, I'm sorry, Jer Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Rehoboam was in the south. Uh, his raising taxes caused Jeroboam to go to the north, all right? My, uh, the whole point being, it'd be fascinating to know more about that story. The, the writer of Second Chronicles didn't write any more about it because there was already a book covering it. We don't have that book. Uh, the prophecy of Abijah, we've mentioned that one. Um, the prophet Edo is mentioned again in 2 Chronicles 13, 22. In fact, he shows up several times. Uh, 2 Chronicles 12, 15. Um, then there's the book of Jehu, uh, 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 34. You'll notice again, these other books show up most often in the historical books because they're doing historical research. And First and Second Chronicles was written while they were in captivity and they needed to get their story down so that they could be ready as a people to be a people again and to go back to Israel and to repopulate the land and to reestablish the worship of Jehovah. And to do this, they needed to get their history down. So in these books, 
you'll find time and time again other books listed as source material. Um, the book of Jehu's in Second, Chron uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 34, uh, the sayings of the seers. I'd love to see that, but I have a feeling it would be very obtuse. I wouldn't be able to understand a lot of what they're talking about. That's in Second Chronicles um, chapter 33 and verse 19. Um, then what my favorite, and I, and I do have a favorite of the books that list a source material. This one's all the way up in Jude. In Jude um, chapter, chapter one, there's only one chapter in Jude. So if you can find more than that, well, then you've, you've got a, a very interesting book. Um, but in Jude chapter one, uh, and I said chapter again, verse 14, Enoch is quoted as having written a book. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying, so there, there's a book of Enoch, um, and then there is. It's available online. I would stress that if you want to read it, and, and I think you would, I really enjoy the book. I would stress you'd want to get a modern translation. Most of the ones out there uh, for free are the old, even pre-King James versions, and they, they really, it can be a struggle. Uh, and so, a modern language version. I actually have all of the books of Enoch in modern language and also in the earlier translations. And I said all the books. Only one book is referred to in scripture. It is quoted and stories out of it are used in scriptural books. But it never made it in the Bible. The Jews treasured it. But I cannot find any movement among the Jews to say that this book was scripture. They said it was super important. You know, they don't use the word super important. You get the idea. Very important. Um, and it's full of fascinating stuff. And by the way, if you watch the, um, the, the story, uh, the movie Noah with Russell, Russell Crowe several years ago, you know everybody was going, oh, you know, you're just going against the scripture here in all ways. They actually had scriptural um, theologians and such that were guiding them through this. Yeah, even the rock monsters. And they used Enoch as an equal source material because Enoch tells the flood story in a different way. And it is as old as uh, the, the books of the Old Testament are. So it's fun to, and it really is. And it shows a lot of supernatural behind the scenes. So I'm just recommending it and you can uh, you can read it or not, but I enjoyed it. Somebody's going to make a movie of it one of these days, but most likely it, it won't feel all that good. <laughs> well, people mess it up as soon as the camera goes on. Gad the seer, we've talked about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, Paul refers to an earlier letter he had written to the Corinthians. We don't have that, but he refers to it. And so I'm using that as a source material once again. There's also an epistle to the Ephesians that is missing. It might be more accurate to say an epistle to the Laodiceans. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3, he talks about the revelation that he told them about before in a few words. So that letter we don't have. So Ephesians is really second Ephesians, but he refers to it. So again, source material. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16, he refers uh, to a, an epistle to the Laodiceans 
that he's asking them to send to the Colossians, and we don't have that. We don't, we don't have a, a scrap of it. And, and we just did Advent. Well, right before Jesus was born, of course, John the Baptist is born. In Matthew 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, and he will be a Nazarene, so that it might be fulfilled what was said about by the prophets that he would be a Nazarene. There is no such statement in the Old Testament. It's referring to a prophet whose prophecy is being fulfilled. We don't have it. So Matthew uses it as source material, but we don't even know the name of what book this would have come from or the prophet. Uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 22, we have the Acts of Isaiah, which that, that might have been interesting because um, it evidently inspired Isaiah to do some writing. And we, that would have been interesting to see how that came about. Uh, in First Chronicles chapter 27 and verse 24, we have the Chronicles of David the King. We, we don't have that book. In Jude verse 3, it, it says this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. It's a great verse. It's easy to understand. However, it reveals something. Jude was about the first book written. It was absolutely in that first pile. And it refers to the gospel that they'd already received. Uh, some, um, it's already been entrusted out there. That may have been a book, but if it is, it's not one we have. We do know that Luke gathered sources to write his book. And he, he said, I set out to do this. So he did interviews, we know because he talks about the inner thoughts of people, that, and, and that doesn't show up in the other Gospels. But we also know that he gathered material. And so again, source material. I could go through more of these. Um, by the way, just be aware that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly called the Mormons, claim that they have found uh, the original book of Jasher and they copyrighted it. And so whenever you search for it, you might find their name popping up. Most scholars believe that some changes were made when they copyrighted it and posted it. I'm just gonna leave it as that, all right? But looking down through all of these, what, what is the common thing? The common thing is these people use, and there's a list, and that's not, that's just one page the, of source materials quoted by scripture, but we don't have it. One is the sayings of the seers. I, I talked about that one. There are other books that didn't make it into our Bible eventually, but came in and out of it a lot. Even during the time of the Protestant Reformation, our Bible had more books in it than we have today. It took, oh, really into the 1600s uh, and some hardening of attitudes that some books were dropped. And I've done um, all sorts of sermons on the Apocrypha, the books which in the Catholic Bibles inhabit that space between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And one of these days we can talk about the books of Maccabees and Tobit and, and the like. But for right now, 
just want to start this whole, who told you about your Bible? God did not take over and use us as robots. God has always partnered with human beings. Think of this. When God wanted the queen's treasurer, commonly called the Ethiopian eunuch, to know about Christ and to be baptized, he didn't go do that. He sent Philip. When Philip went, a human being, Philip didn't look up to the sky and say, all right, God, what do I say next? He went with what you do as a human. He looked at the treasure and said, what are you reading? He told him, he said, are you getting it? One man goes, I don't really get it. Then Philip taught him. God, once again, entrusting it to humans and allowing it to unfold via humans, but he's still in the process. This is rather long for a Monday morning message. But now you've got it. And now you know a little bit about what we're going to do. We're going to ask who told you about until we get to the very front of this river and we find out more about our Bible. Some of your faith may be shaken, but I truly believe that if you hang on, your faith will be much stronger at the end because you're going to put your faith in the right place. God bless.